Well, good morning. How are you guys feeling during this time change? Holding strong? No? Um, this is my first time change. Well, I guess not. I, I thought that I, this is my first time change with a baby. Um, but fall actually was my first time change with a baby, but he would, it didn't like really affect him. So I'm curious on how time change in the James household is going to be um, this coming today. Uh, so because all parents, like, say it's terrible. Like, all parents are like, oh, time changes the worst. And I just haven't experienced that yet. So we'll see how today goes. But also, I woke up this morning to a very sick John James. So um, it's funny. Last time I got up here and taught, uh, he was sick. And we found I we decided on Saturday that I would teach. And I was like, oh, man, this is really really crunching. Like I'm really scrambling and to get ready for Sunday. Well, this morning I found out at 5 a.m. that I was teaching this morning. And so I go, all right, Lord, what are you trying to do here? <laughs> like this just seems to kind of become a pattern and um, I'm not too excited about it. Like I love teaching, but I also like to know what I'm teaching on Monday for the following Sunday. So at least I can uh, be in the word and study and allow the Lord to speak in that. And he just kind of challenged me a little bit and he was like, Melina, do you trust me? And I was like, I mean, yes. But uh, I also really trust preparation and you to speak through that time. And you've really taught me a lot about preparation. And so I really bank on it. And he goes, yeah, 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 that's great. But like, do you trust that like I'm going to deliver like the word in and through you regardless of your preparation, that it's my work and not yours? And I go, yeah, okay, I get it. And um, I was like, I'll I'll say yes, because um, I was texting Kendall back and forth, and he was like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, he was like, I can either teach or you can come and teach. And my flesh was like, oh, you teach, you teach, you teach. That's so much better. Like, you've got this. You probably got sermons. Like, you can just pull out of your pocket. Um, and I'm over here like, I don't know how to do this. And the Lord just said, like, in that moment, like, don't make decisions out of fear. And I was like, all right, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to trust you in it. And so in that, I share that story with you guys. Um, just for our time, like, I just desire for um, the Lord's name to be glorified and honored, um, but also for you guys just to intercede on my behalf, um, just to know, hey, I haven't, like, spent a whole lot of time. I started this lesson at 6.30 this morning, and um, just believe, like, it is a great word from the Lord. Um, but for you guys, just to intercede on my behalf, but also just realizing um, that I think sometimes we get in these seats and we get so used to just hearing and listening, um, and we create this expectation that it's my job to say something profound and transformational in your life, and it's not. Like, it's not my job, no matter how profound and transformational I can be or how average and boring and mundane or whatever it is, um, that job is the Lord's and the Lord's alone to speak profoundly and transform your life. And so if I'm standing here trusting in the Lord that he's going to speak and he's going to um, minister to you guys this morning, I need that for that same expectation to be in you guys, but to hear from the Lord and hear, allow him to transform your life and that expectation not be put on me. Because 
I like I can't like that expectation can't be mine to hold. Um, and I think sometimes if we sit in these rooms all the time, if we're churchgoers, if we're um, we're here every Sunday morning, um, we over and over and over put that expectation on the person speaking. And sometimes when it's average or mundane, we miss out on some treasures and some things that the Lord has for us in those moments because his word never returns void. So when we open the scriptures or we open or we hear the teaching of his word, our expectation should be, hey God, Holy Spirit, come and transform my life. I want to hear what you have for me today. Um, And that expectation is for you and for you alone. And I'm going to listen to this person as they minister and teach your word. Does that make sense? Like, do you guys feel like, I I know I get stuck in that rut a lot when I go, oh man, that guy was pretty boring. And the Lord like convicts me in that moment of going, yeah, maybe he was, but at the same time you checked out. Like at the same time, like you checked out and stopped pressing into what I had for you in that hour and that time and that minute. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Um, so I'm praying also in the same time that it's you guys aren't going to be bored and you're going to enjoy what I have to say. Um, but that's just a, a token of, hey, if you sit in these rooms and you do this often, don't check out when you just don't feel like they're like really fitting your fancy or they're like really um, you're connecting or um, to press in and dig into what they're saying and what they're teaching from God's word um, and see if what can be transformed or what he wants to say and do in you. Um, So I'm going to pray for us. Um, And as I'm praying, I just want to ask you guys um, to just intercede on my behalf that I would communicate well. I would communicate the text in a way that is is clear and that you can understand um, and that you guys can connect with it and that the Lord would move in you and change in you um, what he desires this morning. Um, So I'm going to pray. And then you guys, your job is to pray also and to pray also for the the next hour that we have in here and pray for me and as we communicate um, what God has. So um, I'm going to pray on three and then we're going to get started. One, two, three. Um, God, I thank you so, so much. for being a God who walks with us and walks alongside of us and that you move and you transform. God, I thank you that that responsibility is not on me, um, that you are the God that transforms, that you are the God that heals, that you are the God um, who uh, radically changes our life. And um, Lord, I just ask that you would speak, um, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through your word, that it would be clear and it would be true in our lives. God, that we would allow you um, just the space to move. Um, God, that we would allow you to put your finger on whatever um, you desire and whatever you desire to speak, and that we would allow you to have lordship and kingship and all authority in our lives. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to be in Exodus 20 this morning. So this is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. So this is kind of like the beginning of the written law. Um, And so we kind of ended with Israelites and the um, cloud and thunder and worshiping um, the idols and then coming back and Joseph coming and delivering the Ten Commandments. So we're going to kind of dive into that this morning. But first we have to establish why is the law important? 
why does the law exist? And I think sometimes um, because we have the New Testament, we dismiss uh, the law of the Old Testament. And I think when we dismiss it, we miss out on how deep and rich the New Testament is actually is. Because the law was act- like is a gift that um, the Lord gave us in gave his people in the Old Testament. It's a gift of grace where he established in them how they were to function um, with the world. Like, what does it look like to function as my people in the world? And that started in um, the Old Testament. It started in the Ten Commandments. And I think we have a really skewed view of rules and commandments and boundaries and structure. Um, we're kind of like, we want to do away with all of them. It's like, if we put rule in front of it, we're like, automatically, I ain't doing that. Like, no, I'm going to break it just to see what you do. Or like, we just have this like rebellious spirit or you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own independent free woman or something along those lines. And that's just kind of like our attitude to rules and to structure. Um, And it's been interesting to kind of like see those things and then understand that as a parent. Um, Because I go, no, Owen, I'm not going to let you stick a penny in a socket because you're going to get electrocuted. And he doesn't understand that, and he still gets mad at me and cries and, um, like, looks at me like, why would you ever take the penny out of my hand? And I'm like, because it is what's best for you. Like, it's good for you, I promise. And that's kind of, like, what the Lord is establishing in the Ten Commandments is he's saying, hey, I'm setting up these rules and these boundaries in your life as a way of me showing like, hey, I love you and I care for you and I want you to know how to live and thrive in the best way possible. Like how I have created you and the purpose that I have for you, you are going to thrive the best way possible inside this framework, like inside these rules, inside these commandments. Um, just like, it's like, hey, oh, and I'm not going to let you put that penny in the socket because I know it's best for you. And I also don't want you to get shocked and electrocuted. And that boundary and that rule for him is good. Um, and so we kind of just automatically, we kind of go, I would just rather like stuck my, stuck the penny in the socket and like learn for myself. And I think the Lord just kind of going, no, 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 no. Like, don't do that. Um, but he's giving the Israelites this framework um, so they can learn and know how to function in the world um, the best way possible and the best way that they were created to do that. So, and the other reason the law was established is because it is the first time that um, sin was kind of like acknowledged. It revealed um, sin in the world. It revealed like their brokenness. Um, You can't, like, you couldn't look the law in the face and be able to analyze yourself and look at it and then look at Jesus and say, yeah, I don't need you. Like, I've got the whole law figured, I got the whole law figured out. I can do it perfectly. And because I can do it perfectly, I don't need you. Because then Jesus would look you straight in the face and go, you're a liar um, or you're a hypocrite, just like he did to the Pharisees over and over and over again, because they, that's what they did. They looked at the law and said, no, I have it perfectly figured out and I can do it perfectly and I don't need you. But the law established this deep desire and deep need for Jesus and need for a savior and a need for, hey, 
I need you to come and redeem and heal my brokenness and heal my sin. Um, And so that's what the law is beginning to establish. And the other part is I think sometimes we look at rules and we go, okay, if I break them, it's to, like, all of a sudden it's going to establish this shame and this guilt. And I don't think that's ever what the Lord intended in the law. Um, I believe the Lord intended in the law was to call them to draw closer to himself, to push them in as they saw their inadequacy and they saw their need for Jesus, that it wouldn't push them away and wouldn't push them in condemnation. But what it would do is it would grab hold of them and bring them closer, that they would press in. And just like as they looked at their um, weakness and they looked at their um, guilt and they looked at their unability to fulfill the law that they would press in and say, okay, God, I need you and I need you, Jesus, and I need you um, to make this possible in my life. And it made them to where they didn't depend on their own strength, but on his. And so that's kind of like the reason behind the law. And um, I think it's so important for us to like grab hold of it and not just dismiss what the Lord says in the Old Testament because it's there on purpose. And it's there so we can greater understand just the depths of the New Testament and what Jesus was redeeming them from um, and saying, hey, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill it and what that actually meant in their life. And so we're going to kind of jump into the beginning um, of that journey of the Israelites of where the law, Jesus and God essentially is establishing that work in them. So we're going to jump in to Exodus 20 and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Sorry, we don't have the text up there today. Just didn't happen. So, um, cause John is our guru that types it all in, in the morning. And I was like, I have no idea how to do that. Um, but I was like, I just believe everyone's going to bring a Bible or their phone. So they'll be okay. Uh, so I'm going to start reading in verse one. <clears throat> and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God and uh, your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So we're um, today we're going to kind of just look at those first three verses. Um, but in the Ten Commandments, you have kind of like two different sections. Um, And the first section, which we just read, is kind of this um, going into, okay, how do we as people um, interact with the Lord? What is our job and what is the position that he holds in our life? And what is that to look like? And then you have verse four, which is, um, it talks, or not verse four, commandment number four, um, and it talks about Sabbath rest. And that's what we're going to Um, We're kind of going to break this down into three series. So next week, um, we'll talk about what Sabbath rest looks like. Um, How many of us are like, yep, I need that lesson, like have no idea how to rest and would really love if someone could share 
shed light on that, we'll come next week. Um, we'll talk about it next week. And then the last four verses are just talking about instruction of how we're supposed to interact with people. Um, and I think this, the Lord, like, um, intentionally structures the Ten Commandments that um, he structures the Ten Commandments the way that he wanted to, that it's first about, hey, love me, um, put me as first priority, then I need you to rest in that love, I need you to rest in that place, and then lastly, this is how it is going to transform the world and how you're going to interact with other people um, in light of all these things, and sometimes I think we make Christianity really, really complicated, but I think it's also really, really simple, Um, and you see this in the New Testament, that there's like Two, primarily two things, love God, love people, love God, love people. And as you love God, you're going to love people. Um, and as you love people, you're going to learn and love God even more and um, that they go hand in hand. But so we're going to focus on the first three today and we're going to try to focus on them in a holistic manner. Um, I think a lot of times we take the first, com- the 10 commandments and we break them it, into like three different or 10 different parts where we take one and we deal with that, we take the other, we deal with that, we take the other and deal with that. Um, And that's not a bad way. Uh, I was in Sunday school and we would go through the Ten Commandments and we um, learn about each one. But I think there's great depth in looking at all of them at the same time and why they're kind of like paired the way they are. So we're going to look at these three um, in in a holistic way. And so what that kind of looks like is I was kind of looking at them And what the Lord is doing is he's establishing his lordship in their life. Um, He says, hey, have no other gods before me. So have no other gods before me. Then in that, don't have any idols um, or don't have any other um, God that you serve. So it's kind of saying, I'm the only one that you serve and you give devotion to. And then the third thing is also in your speech, be honoring and glorifying to me because that resembles who's Lord of your life. And um, so I think that's important for they first had to establish that um, the Lord has all authority and has all um, lordship. Like they are going to say, hey, this is my God and he's the only one um, that I worship and I give glory to and why is this so important? Why is it important to, for God to establish his lordship in their life? And I think it's, um, I believe it's because that's, that is exactly how we were created to function. Um, he's a creator of our lives. Like in Genesis 1, he first established, what did he first say? He said, in the beginning, I created. And what is that doing? It's setting him as creator, um, that he is creator, and in creator, he has authority over all creation. Um, and then in Psalm 1, I want you guys to go and look in Psalm 1. In verses 1 through 3, um, I'm just going to read it really quick. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in seasons, in its season, and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
And so it's kind of like it's in this, it's saying, as you delight in the law, um, and as you take joy in the law, and you put the law like at first priority in your life, that this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like flourishing. Um, It's going to look like thriving. Uh, So many times I think people come to me with this question, and they're like drowning. And they're like, man, Melina, I don't, like I'm drowning. And they go, I have, and I go, are you like thriving? And they go, I have no idea what that even looks like in my life. And a lot of times I go to Psalm 1, and I go, okay, this is what it looks like. Like this is what scripture says, is to delight in the law of the Lord and to put him, like is he Lord of your life? Is he the one that has all authority and all power um, to do whatever he wills and whatever he wants in your life? And sometimes they kind of look at me and they go, I have no idea what that means. Like, I have no idea. They're like, I want to say yes. And so I want to look at um, what does that kind of look like for us? So we're going to dive into body, soul, spirit. So some of you guys may be familiar with this. Some of you guys may go, I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, But we're going to start it right here. So... The first part is body. And what this is, is it's kind of like man is made up of three parts. And there's lots of different um, references in scripture about this. There's also lots of different um, thoughts about it. But we're going to kind of just look at this as a way of understanding um, how we were kind of created to function, what this looks like in our life. And then there's soul. And then there's spirit. And what basically these three parts are is your body is your physical body. So it's like your arm, your blood, your head, your, um, I don't know, reflexes. Like if I throw a marker at you, what is going to catch it? Like your hands are going to catch it. So that is what your body is. And then your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. Okay, so your, your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. It's your thoughts in your head. Um, it's your emotions, whether you're happy, sad, mad, um, all of those things. And your will is like what um, drives you to make choices. Um, so what do you use to make choices? Um, how does that look? Do you decide to exercise? Do you decide to eat that donut? Do you decide um, to wake up early? Do you decide to snooze your alarm clock? Um, that's kind of our will. And then this spirit here, which is, I'm going to make it pretty, is a lower case spirit. And this one's a little bit harder to kind of understand and wrap your brain around totally. But your spirit is kind of like the inward man. Um, So what we kind of look at this as is this is kind of the part of salvation where absent the Holy Spirit is dead. So this is like residing in every person that's created um, as God created you. He put this little, um, I, I think it's sometimes what we describe as little kids is like, your heart, like what did, did you invite Jesus into your heart? Um, we've tried to kind of like make a word of it, um, which I don't necessarily believe it's like your actual beating heart, um, but it's this inward man of who you are and God specifically placed it inside of you. It kind of says like when Adam, um, when he created Adam, he breathed life into him. Um, and that's what he's kind of referring to here is he breathed life into the inner man. Um, Cause when he ate of the tree of good and evil, he didn't like, like die, right? But inside of him, this is kind of the part 
that died. This is the part that became like lifeless and that kind of transcends um, through generations. So when you're born, this is kind of like the outlook of what your life looks like. You have your physical body, right? You have your physical body, you're born. Owen like was a body um, and he has a mind, a will, an emotion, right? Um, he comes out crying. He gets happy. He still throws tantrums. And I'm like, dude, you're not even one yet. Um, so he has emotions. Um, and he has choices. Like, he chooses if he wants to put the penny in the socket or not. Um, or he chooses if he's going to feed Clint from his high chair. Um, like, so this is kind of like his makeup. And at the moment of salvation... Um, this is kind of where it changed, that this is where you become alive, right, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is like where the Holy Spirit comes and resides inside of you. So that part is no longer dead. Um, that part is now alive and um, active and moving. And that's kind of where the Holy Spirit is living and residing within inside of you. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Um, this is like a crash course. Um, I haven't taught body, soul, spirit in a hot minute. But um, then I kind of go and I look and there's like this um, little like chair right here. Okay. And this is Melina and John James edition. Um, cause I don't think Kendall would ever draw a chair, but that's okay. Um, there's this chair and it's with the question of, okay, who has lordship in your life? Um, who has the power and the authority, um, in your life and who's dictating and making decisions here? Is it yourself? Is it Melina? Right? Is it, um, or is it the Holy Spirit? Or sometimes we give it to, like, other people. We give it to parents. We give it to, I don't know, sports. Or we give it to friends. Or we give it um, all of these different things. Um, and so the question is, okay, who has lordship? Um, who is going and steering and directing your mind, your will, and your emotion? Who has authority um, in those places? And then also, are you going to give authority to these things? Like, are you going to give um, Jesus, the authority, regardless if it agrees with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Um, it, does it have power and authority over you and over your mind and over your will? Does the word of God have power even if you don't feel like it's true? Like, do the promises of God still have, have power if you don't think it's true? Um, are you going to say, even in that, I'm going to still believe because um, I'm saying the Lord, like Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God has ultimate and absolute authority. And I'm going to let that reign true regardless of what I think, what I feel, or what I want to do. Like I'm going to do it anyway. Um, does it, do we respect that even in our bodies? Like do we not participate in certain things or do physical things to our bodies? Um, because we're saying, hey, God has lordship over my life. And this is what he's kind of saying and establishing of going, this is how we were created. We were created for him to have lordship in our life. So we're just going to put the power of the Holy Spirit here. Okay. So 
if he has lordship in our life, and this is what God establishes throughout scripture time and time and time and time again, um, and you see this in the Ten Commandments, that he's establishing within his people his lordship and his authority, and over above all things that I will be your God and you will be my people. And he's saying, the reason because of that is like, this is the healthiest place for us. Like, this is the way we're going to function the way God created us to function. This is the way that we're going to be um, honoring and glorifying to him. Um, sometimes, like, students are like, I have no idea, like, how to honor and glorify the Lord. And I go, is he, like, does he have authority? Are you going to obey him regardless if you agree? Are you going to obey him even if um, you go, I, like, I don't think today, not feeling it or not thinking that this is true, regardless of those things, will you give him the authority to speak and move? Um, because that's what we've created, uh, been created to do. And as um, Psalm says, like, that's where we flourish. Like, that's where we thrive. Um, because the creator of universe, like, made us that way. He made us to be in complete dependent on him. Um, and I think that's why the first three commandments are what they are. Um, that he specifically says, hey, you're not going to have any other God before me. Um, nobody else is to sit in this chair. I'm to be first. Um, and then he says, like, hey, you're not even to put any, it's not even like, I think sometimes we go, okay, yeah, yeah, Lord, you have, like, authority. You're, nobody else is going to be before you. You're going to be first. But I'm going to have, like, these other little things. Like, I'm going to do these other chairs, Right. And this is something the Israelites um, often did in their stories. Um, they would get married to people that were pagans, like they would get married to people that didn't love the Lord or know the Lord, or they would get captured by another nation, and they would say, okay, I'm going to like still claim God of Jacob, but I'm also going to like worship these gods um, just so I can fit in and match the norm like the culture and just um, blend into the normality of it so that I don't have to be punished or I don't have to um, undergo like the resistance. And um, so he's saying, he's going, hey, I'm going to be, you're going to put no other gods before me and I'm going to be the only one. I don't want to have any part in these other chairs. Like these other chairs, they don't really exist. <laughs> um, and so he's saying, hey, don't put other any other idols before me. Um, let me get back to the last one. And then the third commandment um, that it talks about is it says, hey, don't um, use my name in vain. And I think sometimes we go, cool, got it. Like, I'm not going to use the Lord's name in vain. I'm not going to, like, use his name flippantly. I'm not going to curse all of those things. But I think there's so much more here. Because um, in their culture, they, their name wasn't just something that they used to, like, identify themselves with. Like, Melina is just Melina. Like, you call me Melina just because that's my name. Nobody in here probably knows what that means. It's okay. Um, John thinks it means honey. Not really sure. Um, but, like, I have no idea what Anne means. I have no idea what Alex means. I have just, I'm kind of clueless in that regard because that's not how our culture works. But in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew culture, names carried so much weight. 
Um, their names were tied to their identity. It's like who they were. Um, that's why you see stories of people's names being changed because um, you kind of go, man, that's kind of abnormal. Um, but it, that like is intentional because it, it's signifying an identity change. And then also their names were tied to their legacy. Um, so you see legacy is huge in their culture because I don't know how many times you guys like read genealogy in the Old Testament or beginning of Matthew. There's just like a ton of names and a lot of times we just like skip over that and because those names don't have stories to us we have no idea what they did but in their culture like they knew those names and they knew those stories and those stories had weight um and so this name was so much more than just like the person that they identified with um it was wrapped up in who god was it was wrapped up in all of himself and who um he was and the power and the authority that he had and so it wasn't just like this casual hey don't use my name in vain um it carried so much more of going okay um i like i am the author and the creator i have all authority um and them kind of going okay and I wondered, I kind of like thought about this, and as a communication major, um, we learned that like communication and language builds culture, and um, it builds an atmosphere, it builds, um, and so I feel like God was very like in the, hey, don't use my name in vain, um, he was establishing his lordship like in their hearts, he was establishing it in their inner man, in their practices, and what they did, and what they worshiped. Um, and he was also identifying, like, um, establishing his lordship in their speech. Um, that that was, like, a part of it. And um, I was kind of like, man, I feel like we, um, we've we got the, like, no cursing, no thing, no that kind of thing. And we've checked that box. And hello, ladybug. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, but... We, um, we've gotten that part, and the Lord just kind of, like, asked me this question. He was like, if I am Lord of your life, and I am, like, my Lordship is established in you, what does that do to your speech? Like, what does that do, and as you um, communicate about me or talk about me? And I went, ooh, okay, like, um... And I was like, I mean, I think I would, like, talk about you a lot. Like, if that was where my heart was, if that was where my inner man was, if that's where my mind and my will and my emotions were under that authority, then I think my lips and my mouth would make much of you, um, that you would be glorified. It says in Scripture that our mouth is, like, um, the wellspring of our heart. Like, it is the overflow of what's happening in our mind and our emotions and who has authority in our lives. And I kind of just had to do that. Like, ask the Lord, like, does that, does my speech and what I say about you resemble that lordship in my life? And if it doesn't, what's off? Like, what's not there? And then I started thinking about, man, Every single person I know should know that I love Jesus. Like, it should be so evident that it's not like a question in their mind. Like, oh, does that girl love Jesus? Does she know who he is? I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe not. And I was like, man, that shouldn't even be a question if this is true in my life. 
Like it shouldn't, it would, like I should be out of the overflow of my heart, be making much and glorifying and worship, worshiping the Lord in my speech and what I'm doing. And I just had to begin, and it started stirring in, in me just like that position that the Lord has um, and asking, I was, and the Lord just kind of goes, you know, I think it's also like a worship question. He's establishing in the, for these first three commandments um, a heart and a position of worship that you are to bow before me. You are to put me first and put no other God before me. Um, and I, you sh- your speech should resemble that. Everything that you do, the outpouring of your life should be in worship um, to me because I am Lord and I'm king. And that is what creation does. Like it's just what creation does when that's true. Does that make sense? Like, it's like you just worship and you adore him regardless of circumstance or what's going on around you, if that's true about your life. And I just go, okay. Like, it's more than just um, singing. It's more than just um, coming in here and saying yes. Or, like, it's the outpouring of not just theory, but also practice. And not just practice either. You know, like, we got caught up in that Um, world of just saying, hey, I don't really have to say anything. I can just live for Jesus and people are going to notice. Yeah, live for Jesus, but talk about him also. Like, talk about the testimony and the goodness of who he is in your life. And then I can guarantee you, you're not going to be using his name in vain. You're going to be glorifying him. And then I just ask the question, like, is my silence, like, still, is, is, does my silence reside in this verse at all? Like, does it, is using your name in vain also, like, in my silence, in my fear of being ridiculed and being persecuted or being judged for what I have to say in this? And I can't tell you, I can't sit here and tell you um, out of my not much study of the text um, to say, yes, that's exactly what this verse is saying. Um, Because that was just a question that was posed in my heart that I have to bring before the Lord is, like, even in my silence, is that me denying you because I am, like, looking at the people around me and just kind of even wondering um, what they're going to say or how they're going to respond? Does that make sense? Like, kind of just going, is my silence, like, still denying you in your glory? And, or is my silence because I'm not putting you Lord of my life and so I'm not experiencing you? Like, if Jesus is not Lord, like, there's a reason why you're not experiencing him um, because, like, what is he going to do? Like, he's going to say, I'm going to be Lord of your life. And then, I like, there's going to be blessing and outpouring in that avenue. And I go, whew, all right. And, that, and that's kind of my question. Is, my, is, is our silence a part of this? And I don't know. Because clearly, like, that's not kind of, like, established here. Um, but that was a question that I'm kind of wrestling with. And I even go, I look at, like, I think about life group, and I go, sometimes when we have testimony questions, and, like, nobody answers, and I'm like, how in the world does nobody, and we're in a room full of believers where you're supposed to answer, and I'm like, our testimony of the Lord's goodness should be overflowing out our mouth, even in the places that it's not welcome or wanted, like, it should be, like, just what we talk about, because he's good, and he's faithful, and he's moving, and he's active, Um, and so, I just realized, like, these questions um, and these commandments are about a position um, that we're giving the Lord. Are we giving him authority and lordship of our lives? And if it does, if he is, it should radically transform the way that we live our lives in what we do, what we practice, and what we say. 
Um, and so I'm going to kind of um, let you guys kind of just process that question, those things, and we're going to play um, just a song that about like mm, nine years ago totally wrecked my world. Um, it just really made me ask that question before the Lord, and what does that kind of look like? Um, and I know this is a continual process um, of, okay, Lord, like, I want you to have authority. Like, I want you to move, and I want you to change my heart. Um, but it never gives excuse for removing him from that place. So if you have removed that place, just it calls for, like, immediate repentance and returning back to giving him lordship and authority over you, even in the places um, that we may not agree that his word and his voice has authority over all things. Um, and in that is where we thrive and we find wholeness and we find joy and we find goodness of who the Lord is. Um, so I'm going to pray for us and then they're going to have this, play this song. Um, and then Anne is going to come up and close this. So, um, God, I thank you so much, um, for being a God who is passionate about establishing your lordship in our life, that you're passionate about your people loving you and praising you and having you king over all. And I just, um, God, I just pray that today in this moment, um, that if there's even just one person that surrenders and just says, yes, God, you can have um, my heart, you can have, um, I will listen and I will obey even when um, I may not agree in my mind or my mind is thinking things um, or my emotions aren't aligning that they would worship you anyway um, that they would praise you anyway that they would say yes to your word um, they would say yes to what is true in scripture and that they would walk in that way um, God and I just pray that you um, would communicate this text in um, minister to our hearts, um, even as we leave this building, God, that you would ask us just even questions um, where we can um, analyze what is going on in our heart, that you would shine light on those places, um, God, that we would surrender pride, that we would surrender sin, that we would surrender whatever it takes um, for you to have authority and for you to have your way in us because that's who, that's how we were created, um, God. And so may we just, in that place is where we experience abundance of life and wholeness and joy. And so, um, God, we just say, have your way. Um, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.